time of worship. And he is good. Truth of those songs, he is holy. We are in the very presence of Almighty God this morning. We always are. But this morning, just helping us to be aware of that. Wonderful, wonderful. Did you bring your Bibles this morning? Got them with you? Good. We want to get used to opening this book, and we want to get used to opening our hearts to it each and every day. So we, part of doing that here today is practice, just allowing His Word to speak to our hearts. Uh, anybody know what our mission is? It starts with helping people. Yeah, helping people find Christ and community. And some of you are like, helping people find Christ and community. <laughs> Having no idea how powerful that is for those who've experienced it. Who's found Christ? Yeah. Man, has he not changed our lives? Uh, is there not just a joy uh, and a peace that comes from knowing him? Even, uh, this doesn't mean there's an absence of storms, but in those storms, man, is there a, is there a peace and a hope? Uh, and our, our, as we talk about, you know, helping people find Christ, sometimes we don't really know what that means. And uh, so we're going to start a new series for the next a number of weeks. I actually don't know how long the series is going to be because it's not exhaustive. Uh, we could talk about this topic for a long, long time. I mean, you could insert your favorite cliche. It's the tip of the iceberg. It's a drop in the ocean. Uh, it, it, when someone hands you lemons, make lemonade. I don't, whatever your cliche is. The idea is that this is a, just a tiny bit of the, the vastness of this topic. And I want to talk about knowing God for yourself. Knowing God for yourself regardless of how long I've been a believer, regardless of what I know about him to be true, there's still so much that we don't know. And as a believer, you find that as you go, right? The more you know, the more you realize, wow, there's a lot more to be known. And we want to talk about that over the next couple of weeks because the hope is that we would know Christ for ourselves. And you're like, yeah, well, I'm a believer. I, like, I know Christ. I, I know God. But I want to take that a little bit deeper and we'll see what that looks like as we move through the next couple of weeks. I guess I want to start this way. Have you ever um, filled out a resume before? Had to do a cover letter? Yeah, and had to... Do they still do that? I don't know. I haven't looked for a job in a long time. But, uh, and hopefully I don't have to look for a job for a long time. But, uh, you know, maybe as you write on that cover letter, you describe who you are when you write, I am, uh, and fill in the blank. What did you write? I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm a graduate of high school. I'm self-motivated. Uh, I'm easy to work with. I take instructions uh, well, whatever it is. And some of you here are like, no, no, I uh, haven't filled one of those out. I don't actually, I don't actually want a job. I just want to marry someone who has a job. And so maybe for you, we'll just give you an illustration as well. If that's you, how, do, how would you fill out your online dating profile? How would you describe yourself? You know, I'm 5'11", 165-pound man. I'm into sports, watching it mostly. I'm also into fashion and music. I'm uh, working a full-time job, but I'm planning to start my own business. I'm happy, I'm friendly, I'm fun, and I'm looking for a serious relationship. You always got to put that on there, or you get no bites. Not that I know heard it said. You know what? You describe, you describe, this is who I am. Uh, I, when's the last time that you, you ever saw, and don't raise your hands for this, please do not raise your hands for this, but when's the last time you ever saw an online, you know, profile that said, you know, I'm grumpy, I'm irritable, I'm totally indifferent, abrasive, I'm confusing, unmotivated, hard to please, and known for my nagging abilities, and thought, hmm, marriage material. Thank you for not raising your hands. You're like, well, no, I don't really frequent those sites. I wouldn't know. But the thought is, even if you did, you're not likely to find something like that. Why do people, when they write on their resume or they write on a dating profile, why do they write these, you know, those, those, those uh, uh, desirable traits and qualities? 
Why do they write them? Because they want that opportunity to meet that person. They want the opportunity to know that person, to get to know them, to have that chance for the boss to look at that resume and say, I want to meet this person. Or online, it's like, yes, I want to meet that person. I want to know that person. We want the chance for them to know us. You know, the truth is that God desires to be known. Why does he write and describe himself in such ways in Scripture? He wants to be known by people, by people like you and me. As you read through the Old Testament, he would write and say through the prophets like Jeremiah, he says to, the, to them, he says, to the people, you'll, you'll, he says, you'll seek me and you'll find me if you'll search for me with all your heart. The God of the universe can be found. You know, in Hebrews, the author of the Hebrews writes this very um, uh, poetic uh, description of all the heroes of faith. But right in there in Hebrews eleven six, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, but also must believe he's the rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. That if you want to know God or please God, there's this seeking and searching for him that he will reward. And so for some of us, we like maybe, you know, you find yourself, it's like, well, yeah, if I'm honest, I'm not always seeking him. You know, my week 24-7 isn't always thinking in that direction. And I'd be the first one to put my hand up for that. But I'm grateful that even in our inadequacies, there's a God who wants to be known by people. And one of the ways he makes himself known is through his word. I was talking with someone this week, and we said, you know, they mentioned, they said, it's crazy that we still have to try to convince Christians to read the Bible today. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Everybody's like, oh, look, there's a distraction. (laughs) I see you trying to escape that, that. Think about that thought. It's crazy that even in today's day and age that we still have to try so hard to convince Christians, people who call themselves Christians, to read their Bibles. Why is that? Because I think there's something about this that can be sometimes confusing for people. They're like, I want to know God, but I find it a little confusing. We also live in a culture that people are much more likely just to read the headline than the article. It's like, oh, you know, I know what it says. Or, you know, I'd rather... Know some th- um, or listen to some sermons rather than dig into the scriptures for myself. You know, it's like, you do it for me. It's like your relationship with the dentist. You know, they ask you if you floss every day. You're like, no. And they say, last time, well, you did it, right? Like, that's, that's kind of the same as like, hey, how was your, how's your walk with Christ this week? What did you learn? Uh, I, what did you talk about last Sunday? That's what I learned. We wanted somebody else to do it for us. And he says, no, no, no. If you seek me with all your heart, you will have the opportunity to find me, to know me. You know, we might know some things about God. And many people do. They know things about God. But they do not know the character of God. They don't know what he's really like. I I mean, I know that sometimes it can be confusing, a little bit difficult to, uh, to know God who's unsearchable yet knowable, who's so beyond us. And we, we, we'll, we'll grasp for things like secondhand knowledge where somebody tells us something and then we'll just like, yeah, okay, I believe that about God without ever digging for ourselves. You ever hear people talk about, it comes up in conversations about the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign and if I asked, hey, who believes that? I'd probably get lots of hands here. But do we understand what that means? Is God sovereign over everything? That every decision that's happening, God is sovereign over. And some are like, yes, God is sovereign over everything. So the drunk driver who runs into a three-year-old child, God was the one steering the steering wheel? God was the one saying, hey, I know you don't want to, but you're going to have another. Oh, I'm not sure now. Is God sovereign or is he not? And we're not sure. 
Others, for them, it's the goodness of God. They're like, yeah, yeah, God's good. And then when it comes to the definition of good, well, who gets to define it? Because for some, goodness to my kids, goodness is getting away with uh, anything that, that they did wrong. Discipline is not good to them. But is it good? It's good. Don't look at my kids. They're, they're perfect. They're, that's, that's not a real <laughs> illustration. Goodness. You know, he's like, yes, I, God is good, but what, who defines it? What do we think is good? God is love. Like, yes, God is love, and his people should be loving, which equals in our culture tolerance. And we wrestle, is God love, and where does love and tolerance, where's the, where's the, the mix? And we're like, hmm, I don't really know. Man, it's boomy up here. But we need to know, no, no. That God's just. And yet we look and say, why is there so much injustice in our world? And we don't really know the character of God. We know things about him. And that's why I'm saying the difference isn't just that, oh, yeah, I know God. Do we know the character of God? So let's take a look together at how God revealed himself in people's lives through scripture, and some of it he reveals himself through scripture, but it's also the stories, the accounts of how he reveals himself to others. So if you have your Bible, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3, which is right at the beginning. It's easy to find, past Genesis, and you're into Exodus, a couple pages in. You know, we know in Genesis that God revealed himself to a man named Abraham. He basically looked at the planets like, man, this everybody's Everybody's wretched. I, you know, I tried with, with Noah to start over. That didn't go so well. Here we are. We still have problems. We need to rescue this. And he says to a man named Abraham, Abraham, you're not perfect, but I'm, I got to pick somebody. I'm going to start with you. Let's start with a plan how we're going to rescue this nation. And when, he said, when I say we, I don't mean you, Abraham. I mean me. I'm going to find a way, but I'm going I'm to do it with you. And then God reveals himself to Abraham's son, Isaac. And then he, re- he reveals himself to, to Jacob, and to Joseph and down the line until we get to a man named Moses. You know, this uh, Easter I watched the Ten Commandments for the first time. Anybody ever seen that old movie in color? Uh, maybe it's always been in color. I don't know. I just, it was old and I was like, okay, we're going to watch this. And what does it tell the story? It tells the story of Moses, basically a man in exile from the nation of Egypt. He's, uh, he's kind of running for his life and then he realizes, I guess nobody's chasing me. I'm just going to live out here in the desert for a long, long time. And uh, then as he's out there just doing normal stuff, God gets his attention. Anybody know how? Right, a burning bush. It's a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. And what does Moses say? I got to check this out a little bit more. And as he approaches closer, the bush starts speaking. He's like, oh, it's a talking burning bush. And the Lord says to him, Moses, take off your shoes because you're about to experience who I am. And God reveals himself to Moses in that moment. He says, this is who I am, and this is what I want you to do. Remember that. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. This is who I am, and this is what I want you to do. And Moses is like, what do, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to rescue all of the slaves of your people, and I want you to take them and lead them out of Egypt. And that would be like saying to you, go to the superpower of the world. Who knows who it is right now? You know, if it's the States, if it's China, go there and you just rescue all the people in slavery and lead them out. And Moses does what every one of us would do. He looks at himself and is like, wait, who, me? Okay, I'm just one guy. What about all of the, like, you're sending me into something that's impossible. And he says, who am I? Who am I? So let's read it together. Ephesians, or Exodus 3, verse 11. Sorry, every time I say that, I don't mean it. We're not going to read it out loud together. I'll read, you follow along. Uh, Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses protested to God and said, Who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people 
out of Egypt. And God answered, I will be with you. And this is the sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of uh, Israel and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's his name? And then what do I tell them? God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say that to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. You read this account and you see and Moses begins to tell God, well, God, I, that's a great plan, except I have limits. Like, I, I can't do that. You, you, you can't send me back there. Who am I? Who am I that you're asking me to do this? And, and, and uh, he begins protesting God. They're going to ask me who you are, like what your name is. And God answers him with those words. I am. I am who I am. And you, we, we think about that because for us, when we said, hey, how would you describe yourself earlier? We're like, I am this, I am that, I am this. And we use these descriptive words. But God reveals to Moses, you know, he might ask, I am what, God? And he's like, I am who I am. There's like, I don't need descriptive words. There isn't words that can describe who I am. I'm not limited by the definitions of my name. I am who I am. He's like, okay, are you the creator? I am. Are you the one who cares about this nation of Israel? I am. Are you the one who's going to be with me? I am. Are you the, I am Moses. I am. Whatever your question is, I am. I am who I am. And he reveals that he's limitless in his ability and his power. And he says to Moses, Moses, let me just give you a sign. Because I know you're like, oh, are you going to do this for, for us, God? How do I know? He says the sign to Moses is actually a sign that happens after Moses' obedience. He's like, I'm not even going to give you like this sign that says it's all going to go well right now. I'm just telling you, you obey me. You'll see the sign afterwards. And here's Moses in this spot. We see it in Exodus 3 verse 12. He says this, this is your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God at this very mountain. Here's Moses in a burning bush. He's like, God, are we gonna, how am I going to do this? He's like, don't worry about how you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And you get to come along for the ride. You're going to be the one who gets, you know, people are going to look towards you, but he's just, no, it's me. And you're going to worship God right here on this mountain. We can read a few chapters later. If you flip over to Exodus chapter 20, find out that's exactly what happened. Because what God says he's going to do, he does. And in, in Exodus 20, we see that God has rescued people from, from Israel, just like he said. You know, and uh, even with Moses, his, his complaint being, you know, God, who, who am I? He's like, you just watch. And he reveals himself to Moses. He reveals himself to the people as he rescues them out of Egypt. And then he reveals them to the, to, to the people on this mountain. And it, it's, this big, it's this big event. There's smoke and there's fire and there's a cloud and there's lightning and the ground is shaking. And all the people are like, they see, they recognize that something powerful, someone powerful is showing their power on this mountain. In Exodus 20, verse 2, the Lord says this, I am the Lord your God. He reveals himself to them saying, I am. Remember the I am who took you out of Egypt? This is who I am. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, from the place of slavery. 
That's the nation of Israel. They're probably looking back and thinking, wow, yeah, we saw the 10 plagues. You know, we were slaves. We're not slaves anymore. And we see, you know, the God, who is our God? Well, he's the God who just did this amazing, powerful uh, demonstration of his power. Man, we know our God. You would think that if anybody asked them, who's your God? It's like they would point back and say, this is, this is our God. But they don't. They, they don't. As you read through the history of the nation of Israel, you find out they don't know him. They, don't, they can see, they know things about him, but they don't know him. Exodus 20, verse 18, same chapter, just a few verses later. We read this. When the people, here's their response. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. When they came into the potential presence of God, they were just like, no, you know, they backed off. And here's what they said. They said to Moses, Moses, you speak to us, and then we'll listen. Don't let God speak to us directly, or we're going to die. We're going to die. What do they say? Like God's like, listen, you can know me. I'll be your God. You're going to be my people. And they're like, no. You can be God. We want Moses in the middle, and then we'll be listening to whatever he says. Moses, we'll follow you, and you can know God. You know, as we read through, we find out that Moses did just that. He would spend time knowing God. He'd go into the temple of meeting and, uh, and he'd meet face to face. It says he would talk to God as a man speaks with his friend. It was what God's desire was for this nation of Israel, but only one man found that there. And, and it, over the rest of them, there remained this fog about who God was. Their hearts and minds were cloudy. And I would say that that fog remains on people even today. Many people today, it's like this, when it comes to really knowing him, there's this cloudiness, you know, that's like, I'll claim a promise that some preacher said without ever finding out if it's a promise. I'll pray a prayer that I don't even believe is going to be answered because I've just sort of learned those prayers. I'll just believe whatever my parents or the majority of people tell me what's right. I'll believe whatever the pastor says is right without ever saying, like, God, I, I want to know the truth for myself. The other morning, I woke up super foggy. Anybody... Anybody else experienced that just a couple days ago? It was like really foggy. Uh, and as I uh, often, uh, every morning I take some time, I go up to my room, and I've shared about this uh, before, that there's this place that I just spend in my room, and I'll, I'll just spend time with the Lord. And I'll sit in, this chi- in, in a chair, and I'll spend time in silence. And often for me, because I'm easily distracted, I'll just close my eyes, and I'll, I'll just take some time. Sometimes it's two minutes, sometimes it's 20 that day was a little extra long, it was longer than usual. And as I closed my eyes, I could looked out and I couldn't see anything but fog. Couldn't see trees, couldn't see anything. And then later on, I, as I opened my eyes, I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, I, like it's all gone. I could see, I could see all, pretty clearly, you know, all the trees and the fences on, on, on our property. And instantly as I opened my eyes and I realized, whoa, I can see clearly just you, whether say not say the Lord spoke to me, but I was instantly reminded of scriptures that talk about it. And I realized it happens to me spiritually too. That when things seem foggy and I'll just slowly take some time with him, he brings clarity. When things seem foggy and I'm like, I don't fully understand these things that are going on in life, these things about, about you, Lord. And as we begin to just take time in his word, it's like the fog lifts. He brings clarity. And I'd say the same for you today. Maybe you have these things. You're like, yeah, I describe it like that. It's, my, it's foggy on the inside sometimes. But I want it to be clear. You're, you're not the only one, and there is the hope of clarity. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can uh, turn there. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, 
in 2 Corinthians about this account with Moses and these people that were cloudy-minded. He describes it like a veil. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 13. He says this, and he was describing how the new covenant following Christ is better than what they had before. He says, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel wouldn't see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. He's talking about this passing, this fading glory. He says, but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the the scriptures of um, the, the law and the prophets are read, the same veil covers their minds. They can't understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, Even today, in his time, even today, I would say in our time, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. They don't understand. But whoever turns, or whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. For the Lord is the the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed, we can see, and we can reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And they paint this picture of what it's supposed to look like. It wasn't meant for them to have this veiled covering when they read the scriptures. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. God seems like he seems angry, like he's an angry God. Or, or there's these, uh, these misunderstandings of, of who he is and what he's all about. You know, A.W. Tozer writes about it, that we have revelation. We can see what's been revealed as it's written, but we don't have illumination. On the inside, it's like, yes, I can read my Bible. Anybody who can read here can read and be like, oh, I see how God's revealed. But there's not this illumination on the inside that they're like, I understand. They have, the, they can, they have the revelation of his word, but not the revelation of his spirit, of who he is. And then as a result, we don't understand the character of God. We can read facts about him, but we don't understand the character. And what does Paul say? That changes with one thing. That changes with one thing, that when a person begins to look to Jesus, clarity comes. He's like, the veil gets lifted if you'll just get, get your eyes on Jesus. And for many, there's people have hang-ups about who God is, and, and they haven't got to that spot where they're like, oh, I, I need to look to Jesus. I don't understand sovereignty. I, need, I tell you, you need to look to Jesus. I don't understand that, you know, God's goodness and sometimes it's whatever. You need to look to Jesus. I don't know if God's will, you know, and, and, and what he thinks about me. You need to look to Jesus. I don't understand God's love. I know he's loving, but I don't think he likes me. So you need to look to Jesus. The clarity comes, the fog lifts when we begin to look to Jesus. Here's what the writers to Hebrew uh, the he- uh, to Hebrews said in Hebrews 1, let's put it on the screen. Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. He's referencing the Old Testament. But he says, but in these final days, he speaking, sp- has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Through the son, he created the universe. He was there in the beginning. And he says, the son radiates God's own glory, expresses the very character of God. What's God's character? What's he like? He's like, the son expresses his character. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic throne of God in heaven. You know, he he describes to to these Jewish people, he says, I know you've been reading this and reading this and reading this, but if you read this without turning to him, it's going to be veiled. It's going to be foggy. It's going to be confusing, but it wasn't meant to be. 
It was meant to be a roadmap that you might see Christ, and through seeing Christ, you'd have the clarity of who God is. That you could know Him for yourself. We don't know who the author to the Hebrews was. We have a real good guess of who the author of the Gospel of John was. Anybody know who that might be? Good guess for those who said John. For those who said something else, good morning. John. John writes it this way. John chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness come through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, he's near to the Father's heart. He's revealed God to us. John's like, hey, we used to be those guys who didn't fully understand, but now we do. Now we know who God is. Now we know what God is like because he's, his son, the only one who knows him, has revealed him to us. He brings clarity where there's confusion. He's the one who lifts the fog from the minds. He's the, it's his spirit that guides us into all truth. And it's so important for each and every one of us to be truly looking to Jesus. What does that look like? And over the next few weeks, we want to talk about that very thing. But our men's group has just started reading the Gospel of John. And I'd encourage you, if you're in our men's group and you're behind, just skip. Just go right to John 1 and start with us there. Uh, and, and for those who maybe you're not reading Scripture every day, why don't you just join us as we read through John chapter 1 and read uh, or the Gospel of John and, and look at how Jesus reveals who God is. What is he revealing? What is he showing? In his words, in his actions, in his teachings, he's going to show you what God is like. The, 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 the things we look at in the Old Testament are like, oh, I don't understand. So there's, there's teachings going around that says, you know, we're going to try and line up science and Scripture as if that needs to be done. Uh, the reason we have science is because Scripture is true. But they try and make these things. We're saying, well, we believe, in, we believe in, in the Bible, but we also believe in evolution. Genesis 1 to 11, that's just, it was just sort of a, you know, an analogy of, of some things. It wasn't really what happened. There wasn't really an Adam and an Eve. And maybe you've heard this. And if your kids are heading off to university, they're going to hear this. There wasn't no Adam and Eve. And you're like, well, how do we know we weren't there? <laughs> but as we begin to look to Jesus, guess who talked about Adam and Eve? Jesus was like, hey, there was an Adam and there was an Eve. And you know why? He says God made male and he made female. Let's be real clear. He also made marriage. That's his invention. That's his design. It's meant to reflect him and his love for his church He's like, God, he did all of that. And as followers of Jesus, we're like, I don't have to go all the way back and find out, you know, what what happened in Genesis 1 to there to to believe its truth. I know the truth. I know the way, the truth, and the life. And if he said it, I believe it. I mean, you look at all the confusing ones. Noah and the ark. Man, I went down, we just recently went down there to see it. It was like, man, when you look at the size of that ark, I can understand how skeptics would look at it and go, yeah, there's no way three guys built this. No, it's just not possible. And I can understand their skepticism. And yet, as you look at all of the things from, from way back when, you realize, oh yeah, it's definitely possible. Definitely possible. That's not why I believe that it was possible or not. Guess who talked about Noah? Not a trick question. It's the Sunday school answer. You can get it right. Who talked about Noah? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. He's like, yeah, it, you know, it'll be like in the days of Noah. You're like, well... That Jonah thing, <laughs> I don't know, man. Guy dies, living, you know, gets swallowed by a fish, and like, I don't, that can't be real. Who talked about Jonah? See, he brings clarity to the things if we'll look to him. He brings clarity to these, these difficult things, and, and the whole idea was that 
his word would show people who he was, but it's not what happened until it becomes illuminated. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they read this thing religiously. They were like, we want to know, we want to know, we want to know. And all they had was the knowledge, but they didn't know God. And when Jesus shows up, as he's been promised and predicted and and prophesied about, they, they don't recognize him. The ones who should have don't recognize him. You ever met somebody after a long time and, and you didn't recognize him? And then you kind of find out you did? The other day I was in uh, Hewitt's and uh, I, I saw this guy. And from the, even from the back of his head, I was like, ah, I think I know this guy. And uh, so we're in line. He's getting ice cream. I'm getting milk. And, and I'm looking. I'm like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? But while I'm doing that, he turns around. And I'm just like looking. And he's looking at me. And then I realize, wow, I'm like really looking like a long time. <laughs> And uh, he begins to look at me, and I'm like, oh, darn, right? That's, that's, what do I do now? Like, I can't book it. I got to pay for the milk. So I'm like, we look at each other, and I'm like shaking my head, and he's like, Vanderweer? And I'm like, yes. And then, I, then it's like dawns on me. I don't know his name, but I know where I know him from. I'm like, Jubilee Faith Center? And he's like, yep. I'm like, He's like, I'm Bill Johnstone. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this, this is crazy. I'm like, the last time I saw him, he was, this is how long ago it was. He's the first guy who I ever met who had a CD player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And so when we went, I remember going to his house as a kid, and he was like, hey, let me show you these things. And he held them up. We thought they were gold. Like, they were like, he stuck them in the thing. It's like, it played music. Like, that's amazing. He's like, that's not amazing. He's like, fast forward and skip to the songs. We're like, what? And then, like, where's Rewind? Skip back. I'm like, this is insane. This guy must be a millionaire. Look at this cool technology. That was Bill Johnstone. Do you know what? So we, we chatted. His daughter was there, and we had a great conversation, and He's like, say hi to your parents. And I'm like, oh, mom and dad, if you're watching, Bill Johnstone says hi. Uh, and I was like, I said hi back to them on behalf. We just chatted about kind of where life was going, talked about this church for a little bit. And, uh, but, but you know what I didn't do? When I saw him, I wasn't like, oh, Bill Johnstone. <laughs> See you later. Because you know? we, you know, none of us would really do that in the sense of like, oh, just, oh, yeah, no. Uh, oh, I recognize you, but now I reject you. That's exactly, that's exactly what the Pharisees, religious leaders, the Jewish people did. They're like, he comes on the scene like, oh, we didn't recognize him. He's the son of God. We should have recognized him. Hey, thanks for coming to save us. They're like, no, it was like the most rude thing possible. They not only, once they do recognize him as he describes who he is, they just completely reject him. Reject him. Why? Why did they reject him? Because he claimed to be I am. Just like they remembered he had been revealed to Moses, I am the limitless one. I, am, there's, there's no, I don't need to describe who I am other than this one thought, I am. I am. Well, if you're a God, you should be able to heal people. <laughs> All right. You know, if you're a God, you know, you should be able to do miracles. All right. If you're a God, you should be able to raise people from the dead. <laughs> All right. And they saw in the presence of I am, and just refuse to believe it. Jesus came and just simply described. He says, I am. I am. You want to know what God's like? I am. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I'm the door for the sheep. I am. I am. And his desire was that he, people would see who God really was. And that's our hope over the next little couple of weeks. Let's just look at who he says he is. Let's pray with, with that open heart that, God, you would illuminate in us 
what this actually means. So I want to just close. Hopefully you're still in John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 4. This is how John describes Jesus as he writes it to the rest of, to the, rest of the world. He says the word. He means, he's referencing Jesus. He's like Jesus gave life to everything that was created. His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. As we read it with our guys group, one of the guys weighed in and was like, this is just such a powerful thought. Man, he's, he's that good. Nothing's going nothing's gonna to extinguish it. Verse 6, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. He's like, hey, I, I want people to know. John himself, he wasn't the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came to the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But, but to all, to all who believe, to all who would trust in him and accept him, to all who would trust and take hold of him, he gave the right to become children of God, and they are reborn. They are born again, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. He, something changes on the inside when somebody experiences the light. The light. As I say that today, why did Jesus describe himself as light? Why did John point the picture and say he's the light? Because maybe that's what you're looking for today. Maybe that's kind of where you find yourself. That you feel maybe, maybe for you, you look around at the world and like, man, it's a dark, dark world out there. And you're like looking for light. I've had we have had people come to our church, not not believers in Jesus. They're just like, man, I don't like what's going on around in culture. You guys are different. What's what's the deal? Looking for light. Looking for a glimmer of hope, maybe in a in, in a hopeless situation. Maybe the darkness isn't out there. Maybe it's in here. And you're like, yeah, I don't know what to do with me. I, I don't know. I, I've run out of hope. And you're looking for light. You know, that's uh, the interesting thing about light is everything changes when the light comes on. It does, man. I, you, w- you wake up in the morning. It's like, oh, I'm waking up because why? Because it's got light. You know, the, this, is, this has been the darkest winter on record. And the depression levels have been higher than ever. Whether even just statistically or in the people I speak to. Man, what was it? Difficult. Until the light comes on. Until there's light. You know, fog, there's a fog that keeps you from understanding this until the light comes on. Light seems to lighten the burden. It's, I was talking with guys this week about working at their jobs. And they're like, it's crazy. Yeah, we're doing the same job three days in a row. This day it's cloudy and rainy and everybody's miserable. This day it's sunny. Same job. Everybody's fine. Next day, cloudy and miserable. What happened? It was just light. That's all that made. That was the only difference. Light brings clarity. Light sustains life. I've got these little plants in my greenhouse. They're all tall and stringy. Why? <laughs> Lacking the light. You know, reaching reaching for light, drawn to light. There's something about each and every one of us that's drawn to light. I was talking with somebody this week about that soccer team from 2018 where they were trapped in that cave for 10 days. It says at one point they were, had just about given up hope. They thought, we're, it's, it's over for us. And then they saw something. Any idea what it was? Light. light. Help hadn't reached them yet, but they saw light. They saw something that was like, oh, we have hope. We have hope. That's exactly why Jesus came as a light to the world. 
He might bring hope to the world, that he may bring light, unextinguishable light into the darkness of our hearts, that if we would follow him, we wouldn't have to walk in darkness any longer, but that we might actually reflect his glory. And as he said, you're the light of the world. And so our prayer is, Lord Jesus, would you illuminate your truth about who you are? Would you illuminate who, who your, uh, what your character truly is? The character of God, we want to know. We want to know your truth. We want to know you. I'll leave you with this thought. You know, as Moses met with God the very first time, you know, there was this thing that happened and it drew his attention to him. I would say the same thing with the fog that morning. It was just in that, in that, that thing that was happening outside. It was drawing our attention to him. Jesus didn't walk around doing miracles just for the sake of doing miracles. It was to stop people in their tracks and say, whoa, who is this guy? Who is this guy? With Moses at the burning bush, there was that question. He's like, I want to show you who I am, and I want to tell you what I want you to do. Moses, this is who I am, and this is what I want you to do. And as I look at Christians, I often hear them asking this question, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? I'm so confused. I don't know what you want me to do. What do you want us to do as a church? What do you want me to do? And I feel like there's no answer. Can I tell you something? He's not going to answer that question until you know who he is. You have no ability to obey what he's calling you to do unless you know who he is. Moses had no way of going into Egypt and rescuing those people without knowing who God was. And so for many of us, the question I think we need to be asking is, God, who are you really? And you're like, well, I know him in certain ways. For sure, we all do. But I bet there's areas in our life where we don't know him. And it's in those areas where we don't believe, we don't trust, we, don't, we aren't there yet. Simply not because we haven't tried hard enough. We just don't know him in that area. I would encourage you to join us. Why John? Why the book of John? Why not start somewhere else? Let me just say it this way. In the words of John, John 20, verse 31, it's our last verse today. He says this, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in additions to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you, the reader, may continue to believe, to trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that you may know him for who he is, and that by believing in him, trusting him, you'll have life by the power of his name. And that's why John wrote it. He's like, because I want you to see. I want you to be able to know him. I want that the, 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 the revelation of who Jesus is to us with the illumination of his spirit on the inside of you. Man, we need to know him, church. Truly know him. Not, no more than just what a sermon says or what some preacher said online. We need to know him. We need to know him. I encourage you, nobody can do that for you. Oftentimes we're like, God, would you speak to me? But we end up in a group of people. We're so terrified of just being alone or on our own. But that's often where he speaks. Would you find some time? Say, Lord, I'm reading John with one thought in mind. I just want to know who God is. Would you show me through the life of Jesus who God is? And you know what? He will honor that request. I know it. And it'll be in those days when questions come and there's like, I know where the clarity is. I'll look to him. Lord, lift the veil. Can we pray? Holy Spirit, we're aware of your presence in this room this morning. (laughs) There's nowhere we can go where you are not. Thank you for the opportunity to become aware of you. And as we listen to your word, as we read, as we read about what others have said about you, God, would you make that alive in us today? Lord, we want to know your character. We want to know your love totally. We want to know your goodness. 
understand your justice. Lord, we want to know. We have a world asking questions. We know you're the answer, but Lord, we want to know you as the answer. So I pray for longing hearts in this room today as they hear these words and there's that, that drawing on the inside. I know that's you. Father, I pray that you'd give them courage to follow, to take some steps towards your light. No need to be afraid of who you are, that they'd understand and know your goodness. Lord, I pray that we would be known as a people who know our God. And that when great things are done as a result, we can simply just point to you because we know it was you and not us. Lead us this week, I pray, Jesus. By your spirit, lead us. We are your faithful and humble servants, longing to see your kingdom continue to come and your will be done in and through our lives. Lord, may you be glorified, glorified as you deserve. <laughs> to the king, invisible, immortal, the only wise God, be glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, my hope today is that I'll get you digging. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a few conversations about where Jesus, who he describes himself to be. But I'd be more than happy if you beat us to it by reading ahead. So have a great week.